Good morning, RCC. Good morning, all the locations watching. It's great to be back here with you. Let me start with a, a simple question. Have you ever wasted anything? I, I, I'm, I'm leading the pack, leading the pack, and I hate it. I hate wasting things. A suit one time, I bought a suit. It was a three-button suit. It's a banker's suit, the guy said. He said, this is what you want. Now, it wasn't close to the highest price I've ever paid for a suit, but it was the most expensive suit that I've ever bought. You see, I hated that suit. It wasn't me. I never wore it. I actually wound up giving it to a ministry. And if I asked most of you what you'd wasted money on, most of you would start with, well, my husband bought, I mean, I get it. We'll own that. We, get, we got any boat wasters in here? Hang on, hang on, guys. Hold on. What about clothes in the closet with the sales tag still on it? Let's get real, right? Any Nordic tracks in basements over by the old cinder block wall, right? World's most expensive tie rack. Uh, fruit juicers. Where are my fruit juicer people? I hate wasting things. And we've all wasted things, right? It's a frustrating feeling. I get so mad knowing that I've blown it on something. Well, for, let me start by defining what waste is. So waste is something unwanted or unusable. Anything discarded after its primary use or worthless, defective, and of no use. Now, what makes me even matter, like the suit, is I, I never even got the primary use out of it. Americans represent 5% of the world's population, but we generate 30% of the world's garbage. Second place is not even close. In the US, our garage sales are most of the world's field of dreams. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about that as after I went to my first mission trip in Africa recently. And this is what got me starting to think about this topic and waste. Because we waste many things, not just material things. We waste marriages, parental relationships, opportunities, jobs. We waste our influence. And why do we waste things? I mean, it could be one of several reasons. It could be bad advice. For example, the guy with my, my suit, I, I took that advice. He said, Dale, this is, this is what you want. This is what people wear now. And I bought into that, and it was bad advice for me. What about bad expectations? I expect this to give me some feeling, like a boat. It's why they advertise the way they advertise. Or bad hopes. I hope this exercise equipment will do this for me. I hope this marriage, this relationship will do this for me. But for all of those reasons, we're looking for things to solve something that things can't solve. And things in our life can be wasted because many of us find our worth, our identity in what we do, what we have, or what we want others to think about us. And before long, if we keep basing our identity and spending our money and scheduling our calendar on how we perform, what we drive, or how we look, we wake up one day and we say, what was it all for? And I believe that we should be investing in things that can't be wasted. Financial planner Ryan Blue says, if your life is a dollar, what are you spending it for? 
So I want to set the standard for how to build a life not wasted. Now, Jesus, of course, would give us that rule. And it's at the famous Sermon on the Mount. You've seen this many times, Matthew 6, 19. He begins with this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So what are treasures today? Well, obviously, the same as back then. It's interesting. He says things that moth, fabrics, and rust, metals can destroy and can also be stolen. Tangible things. Jesus is saying temporal stuff. These things are fleeting. They fleet. And it's things that we idolize, that we build our calendars and our lives and definitely our thoughts around, commonly referred to as stuff, busyness. And Jesus is saying, choose eternal, not temporal, because it will own you. So here are five ways not to waste a life, a life focused on eternal things. Number one way not to waste a life, overcome the comparison trap. First of all, let me define the comparison trap. It is hoping that what we buy or get to match what someone else has makes me as happy as I think it makes them without knowing the real truth. Hoping that what we buy to match what someone else has makes me as happy as I think it makes them without knowing the real truth. Let me give you an example. I have a friend who's, uh, uh, he has this, this incredible lake house, huge lake house, has this uh, even more spectacular uh, mountain cabin, mountain house, and a big mansion that he lives in. And I was uh, talking to him one day, and I said, how often do you get to the lake house? And he goes, man, never. When we go there, I'm just miserable. All I have to do is fix stuff. I can never enjoy it. And you know what we say? I'd love to have that problem. Some of us just thought that. Think about this. If we got what we wanted, cabins, boats, sports cars, clothes, we would appreciate more of what we currently have. Because getting what we want would usually bring debt to buy it, anxiety to have it, work to keep it up, and frustration that it's still not the answer. You don't believe that. America has among the highest levels of depression, anxiety, drug and alcohol use in the world, and growing exponentially. In one of history's most affluent societies ever, because of the comparison trap. And do you know one reason? Social media, oh, here he goes, blaming social media. That's okay, that's okay, I'll take that. I said one reason, and here's why. Because all you see are people's highlight reels. Have you ever seen a great trailer of a movie? It looks awesome, and you go to see the movie, and it's terrible. That's the truth about social media, because the highlight reel makes it look great. And we need to understand what this is doing to us internally. In Kenya, we get out at this overlook, the Rift Valley, this overlook, and we walk up there, and this guy comes up, and he's trying to sell me his goods, 
these trinket things, and he goes, all of it, $8, all of it, $8. And I said, I don't, I'm okay. Uh, uh, can I have that for $2? He goes, no, 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 all of it, $8. And I said, I don't, I don't need that, all of it, $8. I get $2. And he goes, no, no, no. And the guide comes over, and she says, Dale, we've got to go. And I turn, and I said, I don't, I don't need that. Can I just give you $2? Thank you, man, thank you. Uh-oh. And we go get in the truck, and the guide professionally turns to me, and she says, don't ever do that again. You just disrespected him. Money is not his primary purpose. And I based my relationship with him on sorrow and how much money I thought he made or didn't make. That, that's the answer to his life's problem. Not what he's trying to become. Not the example that he was trying to set for his children that were there. Imagine his children seeing him just taking handouts from a mazunga. But when your values are distorted, that's what I base it on. In over 30 years in the financial services and financial planning and studying financial planning, the happiest couples ever were, most of the time, was when they were in an apartment. Look at how many of you are nodding in here. It's the most answered period of happiness in their lives, almost always. And what changes? We're making more money than we did back then. We have homes. Everything about us is at least materially better. It's the comparison trap. And the problem is, is we see all of this stuff and we equate standard of living with satisfaction with life and they have nothing to do with each other. In fact, being in villages of deep Africa, I might say it's inverse. As your standard of living goes up, your satisfaction with and your contentment in life goes down. Look at the statistics. So what's the answer, Dale? It takes awareness to overcome being caught up in it. And here's why. Remember this. Because what matters most in your life what matters most matters least to people that don't matter. For example, your marriage. What is most important in your marriage is least important to Hollywood or TV writers and producers that want to sell the lure of a more glamorous relationship. They don't care. What is most important to your finances is least important to advertisers that sit around tables and talk about how to snare us. One more. What is most important for your children's future is least important to songwriters and alcohol companies that want to move them away from us. They don't care about the success or impact of your life. And when we give in, when we are unaware, we allow our path to be directed by those who want us to help their path. And if our family is lured off of our path, we now walk on someone else's path, and their path is not where we want to go. Understand, you're always traveling on a path. So why include this in my top five ways not to waste a life? Why is the comparison trap so important? It's because comparison is the thief of joy. It's the enemy that robs us of the, of the peace that contentment and gratitude brings. And you see this so clearly in Africa. 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. As the song says, life's not all about having what you want. It's wanting what you got. So number one, overcome the comparison trap. The number two way not to waste a life, conquer the fear of failure and pursue your dreams. And one of the best ways that we leave the world better than we found it is by growing in your gift. You see, the greatest moment for others in your life is when you utilize the unique thing that God put in you. And once we figure out what that gift is, think about God's logic here. Once we figure out what that gift is, that's what he uses to bring the biggest impact into our circle of influence. The worst moment in your life for others is if you decline to use it. Isn't one of the greatest moments in a parent's life when they see what their children turn into? But isn't that one of the greatest moments in a parent's life? Wouldn't a loving God want to see the same thing from his children? Think about that. So is anybody in here the kind of person that buys presents during the year? I mean, weird people. You buy presents like now you're buying presents for Christmas, right? We got any of those in here? I can't, I can't do this. Because I just, when I, when I get, when I, I just want to give it to you. I just, I have to give it. I'm about to explode because I, I just want to give this gift to you. I can't wait for you to see what I've given you. And then I give it to somebody, and this is like what happens. We get the gift, and you know what we say? I, I just, I can't open it. I can't, I'm, I'm scared of it. I can't open it. You see, I'm, I'm, just, a, I'm just a blank. I'm just an insurance broker from Canton, Georgia. I'm just a, a college, 18-year-old college freshman with a voice like an angel. Or I, I'm just a mother of three that has a home that every kid in the neighborhood wants to come hang out at. I'm just a blank. Never again say, I'm just a blank. Because you have just disrespected what God placed in you to use through you. Because that thing is possibly the only way someone can ever catch maybe the tiniest glimpse of what his power can do. But you know what a lot of us say? Well, my life, my gift's just been buried. No, whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe God's planted your gift. Because, see, there's a difference between being buried and being planted. Both of them are dark. Here's the question. Which one are you watering? Pastor Stephen Furtick says, God will only work through what you are willing to work on. Even if your faith is that there's nothing, don't we at least make life better if we show others how to use a gift that we have? I mean, how many incredible gifts are in this room? Some of you have incredible gifts, and we all have one. Some of you out there go, man, I ain't got no gift. That, that is an outright lie. My pastor's mom said, everyone has a purpose, son. You can always serve as a bad example. <laughs> that's some funny junk right there. Not coming from your mama, but that's some funny junk. Paul says in Romans, he talks about this. He says, if you have the gift of prophecy, serving, teaching, normal things, encouraging, giving to others, leadership, showing mercy, and on and on. 
And here's what some of us are sit here and we think about this issue. I don't have a gift. No one would care if I did. Too hard to use it and won't make a difference anyway. From what perspective? Solving world hunger? Okay, maybe not. But are you too small to make a difference? By the one mosquito in my room in Kenya, all night, me and that little rock fought all stinking night with that one mosquito. I couldn't get him. Has one person in here ever been changed by one person? Then that person's life was not wasted. But most of us, we hold that gift. We hoard it. We're scared of it. But how do we get over these? Here's some ways. Number one, think smaller first. I just can't get up in front of the whole church and sing. Then start with the youth room. Start there. Second, realize failing is succeeding. Failing is succeeding. I'm writing a, a, a book now. I think I'm supposed to write a book. People have said that, and, and it's my biggest fear in my life right now, the fear of failure. But I know the first would be the worst, and the second would be easier and better. So being bad is on the road to being better. Right. But we have to learn from our failure. We have to be smart with our skills. One guy wasn't, apparently, is a, a, a apparent realtor named Skip, and I, I, I saw this, and you know, he may be having a hard time, and I could figure out why I could solve his problem because I, I, I walked out and I looked at this sign that he had, and instead of the sign saying "Skip, comma the realtor," his sign said "Skip the realtor." <laughs> Just think about this all day long. I am telling people, never call me about my business. We have to learn with our gift how to use our gift, and then laugh at ourselves with people that inspire you and encourage you, not the thumb suckers. Stay away from them. And last, go to work. Most people don't fail. Most people don't quit. Most people just never start. And fear of failure, it keeps us safe, but it keeps us small. My fear of a book keeps me safe from failure, but it keeps my influence small. Steve Harvey said, your dream has to be bigger than your fear. So whatever you are, be a great one. Pursue your dream. The number three way not to waste a life, seek wisdom, not just knowledge. Now this is the most important piece of the five ways not to waste a life. Uh, there's an old saying, the person who knows how will always have a job, but the person who knows why will always be the boss. There's a difference between intelligence and wisdom. Intelligence is how, but wisdom is why. Why is always more powerful than how. How is frustrating, it's draining, but why is inspiring. I grew up in South Georgia and there's a, there's a river, the Okmulgee River, it's a dangerous river. There's rocks, currents, stumps, trees. And this riverboat captain was driving a John boat with my dad in it. Dad's up front, and this guy's flying up this river, and he's going over here, and then he's going over here. My dad was getting really worried. I remember my dad telling me this story. He said, I looked back at the captain. I said, Captain, you know where the rocks are? And he said, no, but I know where they ain't. <laughs> Isn't wisdom wise? And I know I'm old, and I hope with age comes wisdom. 
I heard this funny thing. You know you're old when you go to the Jello wrestling just for the Jello. <laughs> so I never claimed to be smart. SAT proves that. And I don't know why the Lord poured one tiny drop of wisdom in my life years ago. And here's what happened. 24 years ago when I started my company, I worked with a, uh, had an office with a, with a gentleman who kind of brought me in under his wing. And it was way down in South Atlanta. So I had about four hours, if you can imagine, of just driving in a car all day in my car. And I had a choice. I could either waste time in traffic or I could grow. And I don't know why, but I chose wisdom. And I went to every library you can imagine, 60 miles outside of Atlanta over the course of the next five years. And I got these cassette tape series. Young kids Google cassette tapes. I got these cassette tape motivational series. And I would, every one that they had, every speaker you can imagine, I would throw them in my back seat and just sit and listen and dictate notes. For five years, this poured into my mind. And it changed the direction of my life of my company, it changed my parenting, it changed my marriage, and it will be an important part of changing the shape of my future. And here's why. Because I realized what the power of learning and hope means in someone's life. Because I learned that hope is the antidote for most of the problems that people face today. Let's talk about how this relates to our kids for a minute. Our kids today are struggling because many of them have a lack of hope. And we as adults, many times we are fostering that. And a lot of that starts with the comparison trap with our kids in school. I'm getting personal right here for a second. Parents, this is to me. Kids don't have to excel in school to excel in what they choose to be. Failure is relative. Walt Disney was a dropout. And I'm not talking about a Bill Gates who dropped out of Harvard. Walt dropped out of high school. And can't you just feel the tension at the parties? Uh, I feel so sorry for the Disneys. Walter dropping out of high school and all, right? Yet one day our future generations shall pack up their automobiles and partake of his amusement facilities. But if all you see is pain... And here, pain, you lose sight of hope. Proverbs 29:18 says, "Where is there no vision, people what? Perish, die. But as long as there's potential and learning and growth brings that, my view, the possibility of my life drastically changes. And you believe that. And here's how I know. Have you ever noticed if you're going on a trip like a cruise, isn't the preparation, packing your luggage, the trip down, the registration, more exciting than the ride home? Why? Because of hope for what is to come, for what can be. And our outlook for the future is the same, and growth and wisdom is the answer for a life with no hope. It's what education is built on, hope. And our children need to understand today that what we are learning is nothing compared to why we are learning it. So let the positivity of your future be greater than the negativity of your past. And when it is, the light on your horizon will light the steps for your journey. It'll be part of your story. Seek wisdom, not just knowledge. And the fourth thing on the five ways not to waste a life, love your family. 
And in thinking about top five ways not to waste a life, this, this was a no-brainer, right? And there's two areas in this, love your family, loving our spouses and loving our children. First, spouses. Now, whether you have a, whether you have a spouse, whether you're headed to a spouse, whether you want to get rid of a spouse, these principles apply to important relationships in our lives. Because an important part of leaving behind something in those we leave behind is how well the parents love each other. Marriage is hard. And it's a union of two different people with two different expectations in a world that wants to tear it apart. I read this. Have you ever noticed on TV and in the movies that the only people who are loving and in love are teenagers or dating couples. Never are married couples shown having loving relationships. They're always hating each other. Marriage is sometimes portrayed like a deck of cards. In the beginning, all you need is two hearts and a diamond. By the end, you wish you had a club and a spade. <laughs> don't be laughing at that. Y'all don't laugh at that. It's not funny. The most important earthly relationships that we have are the relationships between a child's parents. And this relationship fosters love, confidence, security, even inspiration. Even if they're divorced or separated, is that relationship. And there are things that work to tear that relationship apart. First of all is communication, the way we communicate to each other. When we speak to or about our spouses, just listen. Is there a kindness attached to the conversation? Not like this guy. Lady comes home one day, man comes home one day, walks in his bedroom. Lady's sitting there butt naked, looking at herself in the mirror. She says, did I tell you that the doctor said I had the most perfectly formed woman's body he's ever seen? He say anything about that rear of yours? She said, nope, your name did not even come up. How about our kindness shown to each other? Our children watch how I treat my wife. They watch my manners. They hear my speech. Men, your daughter is going to marry the type of husband and father that you are. And my boys are going to treat their wives the way I treat my wife. That's why the most important thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother. So what does that mean I should do in my relationship to honor my spouse in our communication? Show our children how love sounds. Show affection so they see a physical attraction between a couple. Don't be this guy. After 35 years of marriage, the, going to counseling, the wife had had it. And she goes into this tirade of talking about neglect to the counselor, loneliness, unloved. Counselor gets up, walks over there, picks her up, leans her down, and just lays a kiss on her for two minutes. The guy's sitting there like this. He lets her go, stands her up, looks at the man and says, that, sir, is what she needs three times a week. Can you do that? And he says, well, I can drop her off on Mondays and Wednesdays, but I fish on Fridays. That is not funny. <laughs> One of the strongest marriage builders, gosh, that's fun, is to publicly praise 
our spouse in front of others, and especially in groups, especially if they are there with you. Look at this. To my wife, to my wife, Tim Keller said this, to my wife, I'm Superman, and it makes me feel like a man in a way nothing else could. Boom, there it is. I just want to hear my wife say, I'm proud of you. Ladies, you want to change a relationship? Go home and say that. Men, you want to change a relationship? Ladies, bear with me, but here's what my research shows. Let her know she's still loved, that she's still pursued. And not only is she still beautiful, that she's still beautiful to you. Most guys are like this. Now, I done told you I loved you when we got married. If anything changes, I'm going to let you know. That's how a lot of us are. I get it. I get it. <laughs> In fact, let's do more than that. Let's let them know that they captivate us. They charm us. You see, if our relationships are strong, it lets our children know that there's hope in love. It's one of the most impacting things we can do in our lives. That's why whatever you are, whatever you're becoming, so are they. Let's focus on our job on loving our children. And most of us don't think we're doing it right. I got the greatest fortune cookie ever. I'm just going to go ahead and call that. It said, before you wonder, am I doing things right? Ask, am I doing the right things? Way to go, fortune cookie writers. Here's some right things. Make memories, even stupid, goofy stuff. Let me show you my son. I went uh, uh, snowboarding with my son, Grant, one time in Colorado, snowboarding. Right, right? He's a, a wakeboarder, rides in pro level, and sponsored, and snowboarding. This is Grant before the snowboarding. <clears throat> this is Grant after the snowboarding. Make memories. So he's splinted, 90 degrees, splinted. Mama's back home, right? So we have to go back home. And a guy, kind of sick, but a guy kind of initially good. Kind of proud of him. He sent it, you know, right? And you sit there and you go, it's kind of kind of cute. I've got to, I've got to put his shirt on. I've got to brush his teeth. I've got to. <laughs> we get to the airport and he's sitting there. Think about that. Think through that. So we get to the airport. You get extremely intimate with your child when they're like this. So we're at the airport and he goes. Dad, I got to go. What number? One. Okay, that's good. So we go in there. The door won't, the door won't shut. I've got a backpack on. First of all, when you walk in there, the guys are coming in seeing two dudes and two leg, pair of legs, like they're dancing in there in, in this stall, right? My backpack keeps knocking the door open and I'm shutting it. Anyways, long story short, we finish. I obviously pull his pants up too high, and he's going, pull my pants down. Pull them down. I'm going, shut up. Shut your face. Shut the hole in your face. Shut up. And I hit it, and the door opens, and guys are standing there like. Security, we have a perv alert. Goofy. Goofy stuff. Let's go back to, to things. Teach life lessons. 
relate well. Teach them how to relate well with others. How do you interact with the people around you? They watch what you do more than they hear what you say. Model virtues. I mean, show them the qualities that, that the world needs. Honesty, integrity, courage, honor, commitment. Show them these things. Train them in truth. Train them that the fruit of God's word and his truth will help them reject the lies of the world that are bombarding them. And love them well. Dads, our children need an extra dose of affirmation from us. I read this. A father is the barometer of worth for a child. If a child doesn't get affirmation from their father, they will get it from somewhere. Number four, love your family. And the fifth way not to waste your life, find your purpose in something greater than yourself. Pastor Louis Giglio in Atlanta quoted someone on Twitter, and he said, if God answers your prayers today, will just your world benefit, or will the whole world be better? Come on. Wow. And the greatest way to eliminate hopelessness and despair in our lives is to create a, to create a life that has meaning. It's through serving. It's through becoming second to others. And when you have purpose and serve, life gets new perspective. We got kids dealing with bullying and drugs and suicide. Nothing corrects this like serving. It's by becoming second. And the world wants us to be first. And we try to love ourselves by serving ourselves. It's the world's greatest lie. God puts something in our hearts. Our brain waves know this. You cannot place others first and have hopeless thoughts. It's physically impossible. It is impossible to feel hopeless when you're giving hope. And the media, music, and Hollywood have us exactly where they want us. And we know that is not the answer. So ask this question. What breaks my heart? My pastor asks that all the time. What breaks your heart? And then take your gifts. Don't compare them. Don't fear doing them wrong. Get your family involved. And let someone know someone loves them by how much someone serves them. Because after all, the greatest among us served us. Clemson football coach Dabo Swinney said, let the light shining in you be brighter than the light shining on you. Become second. So in looking at five ways not to waste a life, so I've given you secular, kind of worldly ways to solve these challenges of making a difference with our lives. I'm going to give you God's way of how to solve these challenges. And it came from a random exercise at a camp with my daughter Sophie in Northern California. It was Father-Daughter Week. My daughter was 12 at the time. And the biggest message of the week that we talked about all week, there are different roles that we play in our children's lives. The first six years of our children's life, we're their caretaker. From six to 12, we're their cop putting them in jail, teaching them right and wrong, punishment, discipline. From 12 to 18, we're their coach, 
And from 18 on, we're a consultant, only engaged when called. And it was an exercise called the blindfold walk, and I never saw this coming. I, I'm, a, I get, I'm an emotional wreck, I get that. I'll cry at Doritos Super Bowl ads tonight. I get that. <laughs> and they tell us before the exercise starts, <clears throat> dads, tell your daughters, just talk to me. Just talk to me. Simple. And the lesson was we blindfolded our daughters and there was a rocky, very rough terrain path in Northern California, really rocky, next to Oregon. And so the first third of this rough path, you can move, touch your daughter and kind of walk them and you talk to them, right? And you tell them where to go. And the middle third of this path, you can only talk to them. You couldn't touch them. You can only talk to them. Tell them where to go. In the last third of the path, you couldn't talk to them, you couldn't touch them, unless they talked to you. And I knew where this was going. And the first third was goofy and funny and cute, and everybody's having a great time. And the middle third started getting real, because all you could do is just talk to them coaching, right? And they started getting frustrated, and the guide, this is what's happening. The guide is starting to mess with our daughters, starting to, to flicker stuff in their face and saying, don't, don't go left. Don't do that. Why are you sending her there? Don't do that. Brushing their legs with stuff. And I knew what was happening and the symbolism of it. And by the last third our daughters were screaming at us. One girl took her blindfold off and threw it at her father and was crying and ran off as he goes and chases her. And the guide, what is he representing? Society, peer pressure, entertainment's message. And she's screaming at me because the world, this jerk, is trying to take her off the safe path because the world wants my daughter off that path. The world wants your child off that path. It wants your marriage off that path. And who wants more for their child than their father? I told her, just talk to me. I mean, it's eight years later, and I can't even talk about that because it breaks my heart because I know what I want for Sophie. I know what I want for her life. And like I even begin to understand what love looks like. Do you know how not to waste a life? How to not fall into the comparison trap? How to not let fear and failure stop my dreams? To seek wisdom and not just knowledge? To love my family? starting with my wife, to build my life around becoming second. Do you know how? Just talk to me. And it was right there in front of us. Just talk to the Father. A tribute to a life not wasted by Max Locato. Goodness that outlives the grave.
love that outlasts the final breath. May you live in such a way that your death is just the beginning of your life. Whatever life you have, don't waste it. Let me pray for us. Lord, this is a heavy subject of the influence and impact of all of our lives in this room and beyond. I would just hope that you ask, when the busyness and craziness and, and distractions of the world come at us and try and take us off that path, that you have us remain focused and steadfast and just understand all we need to do, it's always been there, is just talk to our Father because we know no one wants more for us than you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all. Great to see you. Glad you're here today, and have a great week.